from Amos, the sixth chapter. And for just a moment, I would like to lay on our hearts the theme, righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Woe to them who are at ease in Zion and trust in the mountain of Samaria, who are named chief of the nations to whom the house of Israel came. Pass unto Kelnah and see, and from there go to Hamath the great, and go down to Gath of the Philistines. Are they better than these kingdoms? or their border greater than your border? Ye that put far away the evil day and cause the seat of violence to come, that lie upon beds of ivory and stretch themselves upon their couches and eat the lambs out of the flock and the calves out of the midst of the stall, that chant to the sound of the harp and invent to themselves instruments of music like David that drink wine in bowls and anoint themselves with the chief ointment but they are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph therefore now shall they go captive with the first that go captive and the banquet of them that stretch themselves shall be removed the Lord God hath sworn by himself, saith the Lord, the Lord of hosts, the God of hosts. I abhor the excellency of Jacob and hate his palaces. Therefore will I deliver up the city with all that is in it. And it shall come to pass, if there remain ten men in one house, that they shall die. And on and on the prophet goes, talking about the extravagance, the luxury, the sin. And I think there are three major problems mentioned here. One is mistaken security. The other is the neglect of thoughtfulness. And the third is heartless indifference. When we think of the sins of America, and the sins of our own lives. Like somebody, like Mel said a while ago, we have trusted in the dollar. We have trusted in our jobs. And we have a mistaken security. Woe to them that are at ease in Zion. And when we think of being at ease in Zion, we think of the various things we trust in. But these things are like empty cisterns that hold no water. They're like clouds without water. And they are like dashing foams of the sea that put up a big splash but cannot really help when there's a need. Our hearts must learn again to trust in the Lord God and to put our whole weight upon him, for he cares for us. 
And when we examine our hearts and we find that we have mistaken securities, that we're trusting things that cannot bear up our weight, let's be done with them. Let's be honest enough to repent of them. And the second thing is the negligent thoughtlessness or the neglect of thoughtfulness. How much do we neglect to pitch our mental tents around the things of God? And how often are we thankless and thoughtless? Over in Timothy, 2 Timothy, the third chapter, we read about the day in which we live. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of themselves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traity, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power of it from such turn away. This is a description of the day and the age in which we live without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, thankless, it says, traitors, high-minded, and pleasures of loving of pleasure more than lovers of God. What a description of our age and of our times and of those things in which we put our securities. But I want to tell you, the thing that I believe breaks God's heart and the one thing that led to Israel's captivity according to this scripture is found in verse 4, their heartless indifference. They lie upon beds of ivory and stretch themselves upon their couch couches and eat the lambs out of the flock and the calves out of the midst of the stall. And they chant to the sound of the harp and invent to themselves instruments of music like David. They drink wine in bowls and anoint themselves with the chief ointments, but they are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. How often do we just go glibly through life and we do not care we do not do anything to express a concern over the lives of other people, over the souls of other people, over the need of other people. Heartless indifference. We've prayed, God bless America. And we've sung about it today. And I don't know anybody's heart that couldn't be moved by what we've heard and sung and listened to. If you haven't been moved by this, why your heart is like stone and like adamant. It is cold and you need to take it to God and ask God to speak to your soul. But dear friends, with all of our singing and with all that we've said, when are we going to put it into practice? When are we going to say, thank God that I still have an open door and I can go out tonight and tomorrow and knock on doors and bring people to Jesus. When am I going to say, thank you, Lord, 
for what we have in this church, this fellowship of love, these who have led us in songs of Zion. Lord, thank you. You know, I have a feeling that we so many times take things for granted until we don't have it any longer. We take the securities we have for granted until we have them no longer. Israel was guilty of this. And on that day, when the Assyrian hordes came in 722 B.C. and overran northern Israel, Israel stood with their eyebrows raised. They said, why, this can't be. This can't happen to us. But it did. And dear fellow Americans and Christian friends and members of Glendale Church and visitors and people who are saved and those who are not saved, there is coming a day a day of days, I do not know when it will be, when we will stand before God. It will come either at our own death, and there may be someone in this room tonight who before the sun comes up tomorrow will be over in eternity. It will either come at the hour of death or it will come when the Lord comes, when Christ Jesus comes, and he may come any hour, any day, any moment. I think we ought to be shocked that he hasn't come today. We ought to be amazed that he didn't come yesterday. And we ought to know for sure that he's coming tomorrow. The Lord is at hand. And when he comes, we're going to stand before him. And the scripture says that every believer will be there in the presence of the Lord. And we will have to give an account of what we did with our body and the things we did in our body at the judgment seat of Christ. When that hour comes, I tell you, I don't know whether we want to stand in the presence of God and say, Lord, I knew in your word what you told me to do, but I didn't think that applied to me. I thought it must be somebody else. It must be the preacher. It must be the deacons. It must be the Sunday school teachers. It must be somebody else. I knew that your word taught that I ought to tithe, but Lord, you know I couldn't afford it. Lord, I know your word taught that I ought to go win souls to Christ, that I ought to be involved in that, but I didn't think that meant me. I, I just couldn't do it. And Lord, I knew that you wanted me to be baptized into the fellowship of the church. I knew that, Lord. I heard the man preach it. I heard those soul winners talk about it. But I thought that must mean somebody else. I'll just wait till I have some kind of a quiver in my liver and I'll feel like it and then I'll do it. But God said I should do it just because he said to, not because I felt like doing it. And when we stand in his presence, all of those things will come across our view. But we must all give an account of the things done in our body according to that which we have done, whether it be good or bad. The Lord is coming again. Now listen, if the Lord should put off his coming, and I pray he doesn't, but if the Lord should, if the Lord should tarry, and I think we'll be amazed if he doesn't come tomorrow, but if he should tarry, listen, oh, listen, suppose there should come a day in America when we cannot have open services like this. Suppose the church had to go underground. Just suppose that the believers in Christ could not meet openly like we've done all these years in America. What would you do? What would you do? Would you pay the price? Would you really?
They stay. there thousands would gather because they love God and they wanted to meet to worship the Lord they tell us that now in China there are believers meeting in little cells and little groups all across China they can't meet openly mr. Vim is a prisoner in Russia he is imprisoned because he refused to tell the Russian government the things that he would preach. He refused to say, I will not religiously educate children. He refused, he was imprisoned because he refused to say, I will not do anything to win young people to Christ. And so he's in prison, confined to hard labor. What would you do if you lived under a regime like that? If the Lord doesn't take us by death first, if the Lord himself doesn't come in the air quickly, suppose America has to face judgment, then what? Then what? On this Sunday night, July 4th, I wonder if we couldn't just say, God, I want to get busy. I want to really mean business with you. I don't want to be a fake. If there's been anything about my life that is fakery, I want to confess it and turn away from it, and I want to be all on the altar for you. Could you say that to him? Would you really? Now, it may mean some changes. It may mean that God will give you a grateful heart that you'll be able to express some gratitude. It may mean that you will make a covenant with your eyes that you will not look upon that which is lustful. It may mean that you'll make a covenant with your ears that you will not listen to that which is suggestive and filthy and of the base it may mean that you will make a covenant with your feet that they will not carry you into places that God would not have you go it may mean that you'll make a covenant with the Lord to say Lord here's my life use me use me as a preacher use me as a Sunday school teacher use me as a bus pastor here's my life Lord in the short time remaining until the Lord takes me by death or the Lord comes in the air or if God should bring judgment on this land Lord in this short time I want to be all out for God would you do it you know in high school and college they talk about going out for football and that means that you go all out that everything else becomes secondary you're willing to study hard so you can stay on the team but the main goal is to stay on the team to play football you're willing to obey the rules at night to get in at a certain hour and get up at a certain hour so you can play football it means you're willing to go out there to those rugged hard practices and throw your whole weight into it and give yourself even to the breaking point if you land up in the hospital doesn't make any difference that's what it means to go out for football and I want to say a lot of people have gone out for football and basketball and baseball and softball and all those things that they're good but how many of us have gone out for God have been willing to say Lord I go all out for you would you say that to him tonight
Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. With our hearts bowed before the Lord, there are people here tonight who have never been saved. To go all out for God means, first of all, to repent of your sins, to turn away from sin and turn by faith to Jesus. Would you do that, God being your helper? To be saved means to turn from self and sin to the Lamb of God who shed his blood on the cross for our sins. Would you turn to him? And then to be all out for God means to say, Lord, there are some old relics in my life that has claimed first attention and I want to take them out and cast them away. I want to give myself to you to be all on the altar, all out for God. Our Heavenly Father, we pray thou wilt help us tonight, everyone here, to yield all there is of us to all there is of thee. Should there be one person here who is not saved, may he come to Christ now. And those who are saved, oh God, from this place tonight, call somebody into your royal service. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, please. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. O Lamb of God, I come. As we sing, I wonder who would be the first to come down the aisle tonight, either to say, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to trust him as my personal Savior and Lord. Or to say, I've fumbled the ball. I've been sitting over on the bench, and I don't want to do that. I want to recommit my life to Christ. I want to put my all on the altar for the Lord, all out for God. That's what I want to do for Jesus' sake. Now, I want to tell you, like Brother Mel said a while ago, it takes some humbling of the pride to do that. It takes a humility of the heart to say, Lord, I've messed up, and I'm sorry, and I want to ask you to cleanse me and forgive me, and I want to yield my all to you. Would you say that to him? Do what Christ leads you to do. If your membership is in some other church and God wants you at Glendale, would you come tonight while we pray, while we sing, do what the Holy Spirit leads your heart to do while we wait. <laughs>